welcome everyone to session number five of our series called The Appointed Times. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day we've had. Thank you for our health, our families. Thank you for this assembly tonight. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask that you would open our minds to understand the scriptures and you would use the Holy Spirit to uh, apply the word of truth into our hearts that we might know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you have sent to save us. In his name we pray, amen. amen. The appointed times. God established appointed times to where he would meet in a special way with his people. These are the rules that God established with Israel. Rules or laws that would allow the people of Israel to do something that had not been done since the Garden of Eden. That God would dwell among his people. See, in the Garden of Eden, you know, there was a separation between God and man. He still communicated after the garden. Did you notice that? There was still an open communication, but there wasn't the, the intimate fellowship. It was lost. So here he's going to establish a time in which he's going to move into the community of Israel and live behind the veil in the tabernacle. But to do that, there had to be rules, laws, the law of Moses. And inside the law of Moses was the appointed time. God set them, not Moses, not man. These appointed times are part of God's word. And they are each one, and I hope by now you're getting this, they are each one revelations of more than dates and times. They are revelations of the person of Christ. All of God's appointed times have an impact on the church. In fact, all of God's appointed times reveal the head of the church, Jesus. Even though these appointed times, and here's where it kind of blows the mind, they were set 1,500 years before Christ. And even with that 1,500 years of advanced notice, they're still revealing Jesus. So we've covered the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and last week was the Feast of Weeks uh, that lead up to Pentecost. And tonight is the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is the second of the end of the summer and fall feast following the Feast of Pentecost or week. So far, I have covered them in order, in chronological order as they would appear on the calendar then and today. The Feast of um, the Trumpets follow the time of the harvest, the time of Pentecost, and all of these, the Sabbath, the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, to Pentecost and trumpets, are included in God's specific instructions to Moses all of them are listed in Leviticus 23, which we would know today as the law of Moses. <clears throat> so let's go back and read uh, verse 23 from that chapter. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the day, on the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, the appointed month, early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. Now, they would be normally doing that on Saturday, right? But now this one's going to come up in addition to Saturday. You are to observe a day of total rest. It will be an official day for holy assembly 
a day commemorated with a loud blast of a trumpet. So look at the two points. A loud blast of a trumpet will bring rest to Israel in the presence of God. Okay, you with me? Loud blast will bring rest in the presence of God in the community. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present special gifts to the Lord. A day of rest commemorated by a loud blast of a trumpet. A day of rest after the harvest has come in. Now, I'm trying to say that very specifically to try to connect some dots. A, a day of rest after the harvest has come in. A day of rest that will begin with a trumpet blast. Now, can you see why many people see the, this feast, the Feast of Trumpets, as a symbol of the return of Jesus after the time of the Gentile church and after the Gentile church harvest has been completed. Romans chapter 11 says, when the full number of Gentiles has come to Christ, then something will happen. He will turn toward Israel. The book of Numbers gives a little bit more detail about the Feast of uh, Trumpets. So let's go to Numbers chapter 29. Celebrate the festival. Uh, by the way, the words are interchangeable. Feast, festival, um, celebrate the festival of trumpets each year on the first day of the appointed month in early autumn. You must call an official day for holy assembly and you may not do no ordinary work. On that day, you must present a burnt offering as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of a, one young bull, one ram, seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Now, Bear in mind, this is an appointed time. This is an appointment. An appointment. God's making an appointment to meet with you. But you have to bring an offering. If you're going to come to this appointment, this appointed time, you have to bring an offering. It's a requirement. These must be accompanied by grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts with the bull four quarts with the ram, two quarts with each of the seven lambs. In addition, you must sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering to purify yourselves and make yourselves right with the Lord. Now, why is that important? Because you're having an encounter with God. And if you're going to have an encounter with God, you've got to purify yourself and prepare yourself for this encounter. And how would you do that? Well, this, these sacrifices, these offerings... In God's sight, if you'll do what he says, the act of obedience will actually be a purification so that you can experience the appointed time. You can come to the appointment. You can have, uh, you can experience God in, in the assembly. Verse 6, these special sacrifices are in addition to your regular monthly and daily burnt offerings and they must be given with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. So the ram had to come with a certain amount of grain and a certain amount of olive oil. These offerings are given as a special gift to the Lord, a pleasing aroma to God. Okay, pleasing. This, this goes up as a burnt offering to God. 
you know, God has a sense of smell. Where would you think you got yours? You got it from him. So uh, we're created in his image, in his likeness. This was a pleasing aroma to him. You know what it smelled like? Obedience. That's what it smelled like, obedience. Now, I want you to first notice how specific these requirements are. Do you think it matters? Do, do you think as it was written, could you just deviate a little bit? Well, you know, I don't know, man. Could you just do what you want to? No. This year, and I'm coming to today, this year the Feast of Trumpet came at dusk on September 15th. The Feast of Trumpets comes on the first day of the Jewish New Year called Rosh Hashanah. This Roots class, uh, I wrote this previously, obviously, was scheduled for September 27th. So if we are still here, the trumpet of Jesus' return has not yet sounded. I left that for other people just in case we were gone. The Feast of Trumpets this year, 2023, falls on Tishri one. Now, here's where tonight's conversation is going to get interesting. If you look at the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Trumpets is on Tishri 1, the year 5,784. They just left, and I say they, the Jewish calendar, just left 5783, and they have, as of September 15th, gone into 5784. So let me do some crazy thing here to make the point. If that Jewish calendar is correct, and, and let me just say for the record, I doubt it is. I don't think they know that, that it's 5784. And there's a lot, I'm not just saying that from personal opinion, there's a lot that goes into the fact that um, with the persecution, with the Holocaust, with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, with the destruction of the temple in 586, with the destruction and the scattering and the diaspora, it's kind of hard to keep up with the calendar. So if, but for the sake of this discussion tonight, if that Jewish calendar is correct, we are living in the 5,784th year since creation. That's what that calendar means to them. Are you with me? That, that 5784 to them in the Jewish calendar means since creation. It's been 5,784 years. 5,784 5, years since God's six-day creation event. Now, if that were correct, we have 216 more years to hit 6,000 years since creation. Now stay with me. And if that were correct, and the Sabbath rest of 1,000 years, the millennial reign of King Jesus on the earth, and if that millennial reign of Jesus on, on the earth is indeed the seventh day, y'all giving me that look, the 1,000 year after the sixth day, we won't be alive to see it. Why? Because it's 216 years from now, and you won't, not to hurt your feelings, but you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. But wait, somebody will say, but there's a seven-year tribulation in that calculation that comes before the millennial reign of King Jesus. You still won't make it. That's 199 years to go. Now listen, I do that crazy thing to really, I am not refuting the concept. 
I'm not refuting the logic of that discussion. I'm just stating that no one knows if 5,784 is correct or not. Nobody knows. I, God knows. So let's do some what ifs. What if there were two days between Adam and Abraham? If a day unto the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, what if there's from God's cosmic plan before the foundations of the earth? What if he preordained that that would equal two days, 2,000 years, Adam to Abraham? And what if there's two days between Abraham and Jesus, that God preordained it, that it's just, that's the way it's going to be. Nobody's going to know it down here, but he did it two days. So there's 4,000 years. And what if there were two days between Jesus and today? G two days, 2,000 years between Jesus and, and a, another event. And let's just say for the sake, and the other event is indeed the millennial reign of Christ. 2,000. Did you ever notice that between Adam and Abraham, they were making animal sacrifices? Before the law of Moses. You know, Moses is way after Abraham. So, so they're making animal sacrifices. So the atonement of blood for sin of man goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. So during that 2,000 years, there's still animal sacrifices to atone. Here comes Abraham, the Jewish people. God gives them a 2,000-year window. So he gave Adam to Abraham a 2,000-year window, animal sacrifices. Then Abraham comes over here and uh, Abraham to Jesus. He gives the Jewish people, Abraham's the starting point. He gives the Jewish people 2,000-year window to come to God. They come to God under the law of Moses. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus appears at the 4,000-year mark. And he gives, what does he do? He gives the Gentile world a 2,000-year. He gives the Gentile world, what if, what if, what if? He gives the Gentile world an equivalent 2,000-year window that he gave the Jews. What would that mean? Now, in case you're still hung up on the 5784, don't be. Let me give you another number. What if Jesus, um, Jesus's death, burial, resurrection, what if it took place in 30 AD? Are you with me? 30, the year 30. And again, there's some discussion about 30, 32, somewhere in there, but let's just say for the sake of simple math, this happened that it came death, burial, resurrection, that Jesus died, rose from the dead, went to the right hand of the Father in 30 AD. Add 2,000 to that, what do you get? 2,030. Subtract seven years from 2,030 and what do you get? Y'all can say it, don't be shy. <laughs> what do you get? What do you get? 2,023. What year is it? 2,023. Now I'm going to say this very clearly. Do not go home. <laughs> And say, Terry said, Jesus is coming in 2023. Because I didn't say that. Every one of these have what if, what if, what if, what if. He can come anytime he wants to. But, but the point is, there is some sym symmetry to God's created order. There's symmetry. 
You know what? This whole fact that in six days he made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested, and in six days he gave an opportunity of salvation to the world, and on the seventh day he rests, and what will be the rest? That was our first session. What will be our Sabbath rest? Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is our seventh day. He is our millennial kingdom king. Right? Do you see why um, the Orthodox Jews call the seventh day the Sabbath rest? And we know that Jesus is our Sabbath rest, the appointed time. So let's go to 2 Peter 3.1, and maybe you don't know this, that this same analogy, the day is like a thousand years to God, is also recorded in Psalms 90 verse 4. So it's not just 2 Peter, it's not just New Testament, it's in the Old Testament. And the Word of God is truth, okay? This is my second letter, Peter writes to you, dear friends, and in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. What does he want us to think about and what does he want us to remember? Okay? I want to stimulate your wholesome thinking so that you don't forget what? I want you to remember that the, what the holy prophets said long ago. And, notice two things. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your New Testament apostles. Old Testament, New Testament. Both have the same thing he's bringing up. What is it? <clears throat> Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, now what's the last days? I am firmly convinced, read Acts chapter 2, the last days began on the day of Pentecost. Because he says, Peter quotes uh, the prophet Joel that says that in the last days, so he announces it, that in the last, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own evil desires, their own desires. What, what are the mockers and the scoffers going to say in the last days? Here it is. They will say, what happened to the promise Jesus is coming again? Anybody hear that today from the world? I do. For before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Let me translate that into a modern conversation. Preacher, you keep talking about the return of Jesus. They've been saying that for 2,000 years. That's the same thing that's in that sentence. Except my answer is always the same. But in 1948, something happened that changed the conversation. They, verse 5, they deliberately forget. Who are they? The mockers and the scoffers that make fun of people like me that say the return of the Lord is imminent. The mockers, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Now, now, pause for a moment. I want you to notice something. And I can show you biblical truth by those two verses. What do they mock? They mock a six-day creation and the flood of Noah. Let me ask you a question. Can you go to any major university in the United States of America and any major university tell you that it was true that God made the heavens and the earth in six literal days and that Noah's flood was real. 
You will not find it in any university in this United States, not any major secular university. Do you find that interesting that Peter wrote that that will be the mocking of the last days? In fact, you know what the truth is? You might be sitting in this room tonight and you don't even believe in the flood. And you don't even believe in the sixth literal day creation. Why? Because somebody in school told you that didn't happen. But you reject the Bible and take that guy that went to school and you believe him and he's going to die somewhere. He's not eternal. He didn't make the heavens and the earth. He wasn't there on the first day. But you reject the word of God. So what are they mocking? A six-day creation in Noah's flood. That he used water to destroy the ancient world in a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are, gonna, are stored up for fire. You, you know, everything we have now is going to burn up. This building's going to burn up. Everything's going to burn up. It's being reserved for fire. They are kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. The scoffers, the mockers, but you must not forget one thing. That, are you noticing the context of what I'm about to read? What's the context? Mockers, scoffers, last day judgment, the rejection of a six-day creation, rejection of Noah's flood. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. What's, what's the one thing in the middle of there that I'm not supposed to forget? A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. Why, did, why is that in there? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to what? Say the word. The word that nobody wants to say in church anymore. He doesn't want you to be destroyed. He wants you to repent. So what's he doing? He's holding the door open. Now, I'm convinced it's a predetermined time that he, he knows, and we'll get into that in a moment. But the day of the Lord will come. One day he'll stop holding the door open. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in a fire. And the earth, are you listening? And everything on the earth will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be, not maybe, it's going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Now here comes the crazy part. Since, since you have advanced knowledge that this is how everything's going to end, you should live holy and godly lives looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Now, let me ask you a question. Who in the world would look forward to the earth being destroyed in a fire? Are you ready for the answer? Christians. That's why we are a unique bunch of people. We're very different. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Y'all remember how I closed last 
Wednesday night session. I remember very passionately saying, God is not offended that you were hoping he'd come on the Feast of Trumpets and he didn't. He is not offended by that. In fact, he's excited that that is indeed your heart. Because that's what? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along on that day. He's going to set the heavens on fire and the elements are going to melt away in the flames. And you know, the only people that see that as a negative are those who have not believed this is true. They've rejected it. They've rejected it. Maybe you're in the room tonight and you still don't believe it. We, here we go, here's the church. Who's he writing this to? This is New Testament. Guys, this is a church age. This is us. We are looking forward. What? I'm not looking forward to him burning up this place and leaving us somewhere out in outer space. We are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. Somebody say hallelujah. I hope we is the right term here. We are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth as he has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while we are waiting for these things to happen, listen, I, I am not apologizing for anxiously waiting the return of Christ. I am not going to apologize. Because you know what? While we are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, the Lord's patience does what? Gives people time to be saved. He's holding that door open. One day that last Gentile is going to come in that door. He is. One day, he, she's going to come in that door. That door's going to close. That is what our beloved brother Paul, here's Peter complimenting Paul, what he wrote about to you with the wisdom God gave him. So what if the church age limit is 2,000 years, and then the door closes with the trumpet? So what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about this feast of trumpets. In all of the other feasts, the, the feast revealed the Messiah and something future, right? Is that true here? Will the trumpet be the rapture of the church or will that trumpet be the second coming as Jesus stands in Jerusalem? So will the trumpet, let me say, I think I said this last week. I am firmly convinced that Jesus will fulfill the Feast of Trumpets. How he fulfills the Feast of Trumpets, I don't know. Will it be the rapture? Or will it be seven years after the rapture when there are, there's another trumpet and then there's seven trumpets? And I'm going to cover that in just a minute. But there's more than one trumpet. There is a trumpet at the rapture when the dead in Christ are raised. But there's a trumpet, there's seven trumpets in the Revelation tribulation period. And there is another trumpet when he calls Israel at the very end. So let's, let's look at Matthew 23. In fact, let me say this. One day Jesus is going to stand in Jerusalem. Um, he's going to come to Jerusalem. One day from Jerusalem, people are going to cry out something. And the reason I can say that with confidence is because when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he says this. 
This is Passion Week, by the way. It's the week he goes to the cross. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Do you think that only applies to them? That, that's still true today. Not, not true. I, I want to bring you under the shelter and the safety of my wings, but you won't let me. You keep running off. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. Now listen carefully. When he said that, about 40 years later, Jerusalem is destroyed. It's called the Diaspora. Most of them, millions of Jews, Jews die. The ones that live are, are scattered all over the earth. Your house is desolate and it is abandoned. And the church age will begin when the gospel will be preached to the Gentiles. The Jewish people have collapsed upon themselves. You will, he says this, now look, I tried to get you under my wings, but you wouldn't let me. Now look, your house is abandoned and it's desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again. Now I, I won't, I know it's not in there, but I believe this is a reference that to Jerusalem specifically. You in Jerusalem will never see me again. In other words, let me translate. The next time you see me, it'll be different. He doesn't say you'll never see me again, period. He says the next time you see me, it'll be specific and I'll tell you in advance what you're going to say. You will never see me again until you say from Jerusalem, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what do you think that day is? It's his second coming. When his feet, Zechariah 14, will stand on the Mount of Olives. Acts, the book of Acts says the same thing. Why do you stand here looking into the clouds? This same Jesus will return in the same way you saw him go. Where is he? He's in Jerusalem. And what is the Hebrew? It is Baruch Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peter and Paul are both talking about a time period. I've read from Peter's writing. This is, uh, and, and I've read from Jesus' writing. I'm about to read from Paul's writing. It says they're both talking about a time period that will lead to an appointed time of God. A time that only the Father knows. That's why date setting is so dangerous. Only the Father knows. So, 1 Thessalonians 4. Here's what the, how the Apostle Paul writes it. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns. What are we talking about? When the Lord returns. We who are still alive, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. What does that mean? People in believers who are dead and buried are going to meet the Lord on that day, on that appointed time, before us who are alive. Okay? This, ain't, this is not complicated. They're going to go first. For the Lord himself. How, how's that true? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and here comes the trumpet. And the trumpet call of God. Is this linked to the Feast of Trumpets? Could be. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. That's why believers who are alive will not meet him first. 
Those who have died will go first. Then, after the resurrection of the dead, then together with them, together. So actually, let's just say it, try to make it clear. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then together with them. There's not a time gap. There's not, well, a month later or six weeks later, we rise. No, together with them, which means as they're coming up. Now, what's happening while they're coming up? They're, they're, these are them bones going to rise again thing. That's what this is. Them bones are rising. Where's them souls that goes in them bones? Where's that? They're coming. They've been with the Lord. If you're a believer, to be absent from the body's present with the Lord. Their souls are coming with Jesus. And as these bodies, these dead bones are rising, the souls are coming into those resurrected bodies. Then, so as they're rising, we're rising. Now, our souls are still in us. But we need a new body, right? Anybody need a new body? I do. So as we rise, it'll happen in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Our bodies will be transformed into eternal flesh. Now, our soul doesn't need to come back because our soul's still here. So you got the dead in Christ getting new bodies and their souls getting in the new body. And you got the alive and we're meeting now together. What happens at that point? Together with them, we who are still alive, remain on the earth, will be caught up. That caught up is where the rapture word comes from. In the cloud, in the cloud, he is not standing on the Mount of Olives. Anybody with me? If you're struggling with this, we're, we're meeting him in the clouds. Zechariah 14, Acts, both talk about the second coming. He's standing on the earth. He's come to be king. This is before that. It's a different event. This is for the bride. The church will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in Jerusalem. No, in the air. Then we will be with the Lord how long? Seven years? No, no, no. Forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now, if you're encouraged by that, you are no longer worried about this earth being burned up in a fire. If you are discouraged by that, you need to make some choice changes. So what if the rapture of the church is followed by the seven-year tribulation in which another trumpet will sound? So we're talking about Feast of Trumpets, right? There's a trumpet, right? Voice of the archangel, trumpet blast. What if there's seven years of tribulation and then there's other trumpets, the appointed time? The tribulation, let me tell you, also has a trumpet. Let's go to Matthew 24, verse 3. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, now this question is so important. It, tell us when all this will happen. You, you think you're the only one that's curious? Huh? Tell us when all this is going to happen. What sign will signal your return? Two things. And the end of the world. His return, they linked to the end of the world. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will 
deceive many. Don't read over that sentence. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. And then you'll be arrested. You'll be persecuted and killed. Who's he talking to? Believers. You will be hated all over the world. Why? One reason, because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me. Anybody listening? In the time of testing, many are going to turn away from him. They will turn away from me and they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. You see the deception? You know how dangerous deception is? Because you don't know that you're in deception. If you knew you were being deceived, you'd get out of it. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end. Church, do you understand how, how important it is that you persevere? That you do not let go of the name and that you do not let go of the word. It is so important. Because many people are going to be deceived. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And I want to make a point out of that. A lot of people believe the rapture can't take place because this, this hasn't been fulfilled. The good news of the kingdom will be preached all over the world, and the end will come. I don't think this applies to the rapture at all. I think this applies to the second coming. And I, I could show you that because there's going to be an angel in the sky preaching the gospel during the tribulation. And it will cover the rest of the earth. So if you're thinking that we're safe because the, there's still some people that haven't had the gospel preached to their section of the world, I do not believe that applies to the rapture at all. It replies. It will be preached throughout the whole world before the second coming of Christ seven years later. The day is coming. Jesus said, how important is it that Jesus quotes Daniel? What's that say about Daniel? The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. By the way, Daniel the prophet's about 500 years before Christ. What did Daniel write about? The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. That's the temple in Jerusalem. Reader, pay attention. When that happens, what? When there is a temple in Jerusalem, and when there is a sacrilegious object, what if it's a statue of the beast? And what if you have to bow to the beast? Reader, pay attention. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. You know what he's saying? Run. Run. If you're there when this happens, run. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of the roof must not go down into his house to pack. No, run. A person in the field must not return to get his coat. 
How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. What is this time? What is this time? What is this appointed time? It is the seven-year tribulation. It's going to be worse than any time that's ever been on the earth. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity, unless the time of this tribulation is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And I want you to know, I'm convinced that is a specific reference to the Jewish people, which will be specifically attacked by the Antichrist during the tribulation. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about all this, about this ahead of time. Let that sink in for a moment, that sentence. I warned every one of you ahead of time what was coming. How important is advanced knowledge in this issue? I've warned you about it ahead of time. You, so in other words, you know what you're not going to be able to say? What you said to your parents. I don't know. I don't know. You did know. You didn't believe it, but you knew. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert. Don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Let me, let me make another point. I believe that's the second coming. That is not the rapture. That is not the rapture. In the second coming, every eye will see him. Every eye on the whole earth is going to see him. At the rapture, I do not believe that's true. Only those who believe are going to be able to see him on the rapture. That's why I believe they're two different events. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. So you mean you can, Jesus said you'll be able to see the signs and know the end is near? Really? Yes, he does. Immediately following, immediately after the anguish of those days. What are we talking about? The tribulation. The sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty. Here it comes. I told you it was in here. He will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. Now, I believe this is the reference to the last trumpet. This is the end. This is the end. And notice what he's sending his angels out to do. They will gather his chosen ones. This is at the end of the tribulation. And I'm convinced that this is the calling of the remnant of Israel. Stay with me. He will send out his angels with a blast of a mighty blast of a trumpet. And they, these angels, will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. He's gathering, he's regathering Israel. 
the Jewish people, which have been persecuted and hunted down and killed during the tribulation. Now learn a lesson. Notice, now connect this. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know what? The summer's near. You can tell. In the same way, when you see all these things, and all these things is what I've just read, you can know that his return is very near right at the door. So you know what he's telling us? That if, if you're paying attention, you can know the season. You won't know the day, but you'll know the season. And you'll even say, you'll know it's right at the door. And I'm going to say this. Listen, he's right at the door. I'm not time setting, date setting. I'm telling you he's at the door. He's at the door. Mock it if you want to. He's at the door. i tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. And I'm going to ask you, what if this generation is 1948 Israel? I know there's a lot of debate theologically about that, but just I'm saying what if. What if this generation is 1948 Israel rebirthed supernaturally? then you would probably look at me and say, right at the door. Why? Because this generation will not pass from the scene until all this takes place. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. But my word will not disappear. And I gave it to you in advance so that you would know and you'd be prepared. You'd prepare your family. The next verse answers the original question. No one knows the appointed time. You know what the original question was? When his disciples look at him and they say, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Okay? The next verse answers the question. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Go down to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself, only the Father knows the day and the hour. So when the Son of Man returns, so what are we talking about? When he, when he returns to reign as King, when the Son of Man returns, now make sure y'all get this. This is not the rapture of the church. This is the second coming of Christ when He will come and establish a kingdom in Jerusalem that will cover the earth. Right? He's the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Listen carefully. A lot of people get upside down on this one. When Jesus comes, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time that Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize, they didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. So what's happening in this scene? The flood comes, sweeps them away. Jesus says it's going to be like that again. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So who are the taken? Are the taken ones in Noah's time saved or are the taken ones in Noah's time lost? The taken in this final scene, they are lost. It is not the rapture. It is not this one. This one is not the rapture. Let me keep going. 
two men will be working together in the field. So if, if this is a description of Noah's time and two men were working in the field, who's saved and who's lost in the time of Noah? Those that were taken away were lost, right? They're lost. They died in the flood. They died in the judgment. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken. Those are the lost. The other will be left. Noah and his family were left. This is when Jesus is coming to the earth. He's coming to reign. Why does he need to take you off of the earth that he's going to reign on? Not reign, A-R-R-A-I-N either. The other reign. That could be confusing. Two women will be grinding flour at the meal. One will be taken. Who is it? And it says it's going to be like Noah's time. So the taken are the lost. The others left. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If the homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready at all times. That's why I'm never going to stop preaching about this. I am never going to stop talking about this. The Holy Spirit will not let me stop. Why? Because you must be ready at all time for the Son of Man will come when he's least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. And if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. But I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil? Listen carefully. From Jesus' perspective, how would he define evil? But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? Is anybody listening? To Jesus in that verse, evil is ignoring his coming. What if the servant is evil and he says, my master won't be back for a while? He's a scoffer. He's a mocker. Because in Revelation, what does Jesus say? Behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me. And if he says it's soon, it's soon. Every generation was supposed to live with this expectancy. Jesus says, this is evil. Anyone who thinks my master won't be back for a while. He, he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. Now, why would a guy do that? Because he thinks he's got time that he doesn't have. He thinks it's not going to happen in my generation, so what? I'll just live like the world. I'll beat my servants and party. And what does he say? The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces. <laughs> He'll cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where do you think that is? It's hail. Who went to hell there? And why did he go to hell there? My master won't be back for a while. That's heavy. That's heavy. No one knows the appointed time of the trumpet that will call the church home. No one. No one knows the appointed time of the trumpet when he will gather the remnant of Israel on the last day. No, not knowing the appointed time doesn't change our calling uh, at all. 
The Feast of Trumpets is called Rosh Hashanah. It's the Jewish New Year. The Jews call that day the Day of Judgment. The trumpet symbolizes God's judgment. When the trumpet sounds, it's too late. It's God's judgment. Do you see it? In the Jewish festival, the trumpet sounds, the door closes. Judgment comes. Judgment day. It is an appointed time. The door closed on Noah's ark. What was it? It's judgment day. Maybe there was a trumpet. I don't know. The trumpet sounded on Noah's ark last day. Jesus said it will be again like it was in the time of Noah. But notice something here. I'm going to make a point again. This is not a reference to the rapture of the church. No, the church left at the first trumpet call of God. This judgment comes during the tribulation. To be taken doesn't mean you're saved. To be taken means you face God's judgment and we're lost. Like in the time of Noah. Now I'm not going to read that next part for the sake of time. I've already gone through it anyway. The seven year tribulation revealed in Revelation also has seven trumpets. Do you see it? And again, I don't have time to go through it. I'm going to list the summary of the seven trumpets in the tribulation recorded in the book of Revelation. Trumpet number one, hail, fire mixed with blood. Trumpet number two, a mountain is thrown into the sea. Number three, the star, wormwood, comes to the earth. Number four, a third of the sun, moon, or star, and stars are struck. Number five, the plague of locusts. Number six, the release of the four angels. The angel and the little book and the two witnesses are revealed. Every one of these, when the trumpet sounds, these things start on the earth during the tribulation. Number seven, woe on the earth followed by worship in heaven. The Feast of trumpet, rep, Trumpets represents God's judgment day when we will meet Him. We will experience on that day His wrath or His grace on judgment day. The appointed time of the trumpet. Jesus is God's grace. Jesus is God's mercy. The absence of Jesus is God's wrath. The absence of Jesus is God's vengeance. In John 5, 24, Jesus said these words, I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message, I'm going to hold it up. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Somebody say hallelujah. But you got to listen and you got to believe it. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already, I love this sentence, they have already passed from death to life. I'm just waiting for a new body. I've already passed from death to life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice. Jesus said, the time is here now when the dead, now he's talking about spiritually dead. These people, at least right now in this verse, they're still upright. They're still breathing air. Listen to what he says. The time is coming. No, it's here now. 
the church age is about to begin. It's here now. What? When the dead, spiritually dead, hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. It's called the Word. And those who listen to the Word, the voice of the Son of God, they will live. You cross over from death to life. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to His Son. And He has given Him, the Son, authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man. But don't be surprised. Now, here comes part two. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming. Now, now we've dealt with the people on the earth, the dead. How do they become alive? They believe the Word. They listen to the voice of the Son of Man, the Word of God. But don't be surprised. Indeed, a time is coming when all the dead in their graves. Now we're talking about dead people, dead and buried people. This time is coming when those in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Over here, eternal life. Over here, judgment. It's only two choices. They will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own, Jesus said. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. I'm going to tell you, there is the trumpet. It is the sounding of judgment day. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. My grandfather's soul will come back with Jesus when he comes. My grandfather's soul is with the Lord. His body is in the cemetery outside of Corinth Church. God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. And then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds, caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage each other with these words. I think it's safe tonight to say the trumpet is coming the appointed time. And until that time, we have been called to preach the word. There is a rapture trumpet. I read it to you. There are seven trumpets in the tribulation. I gave you the highlight of those seven. And there is a final trumpet call of Israel to be regathered all over the earth. Second Timothy 4.1. 
You know what we're supposed to be doing until that trumpet, that first trumpet? Paul writes this, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, in the presence of the Father and the Son, I urge you to do what? I urge you in the in the, in the presence of the Father and the Son, who will someday judge the living and the dead. You see both those who are still breathing, those who have been buried. When He appears to set up His kingdom, He's going to judge them. Preach the Word. What do we do while we're waiting? Preach the Word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct people, rebuke people, encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. That They will reject Noah's flood and they will reject the six-day creation. If that's the standard of Peter, we're way past that standard. That, that's old news, right? That's old news. They will reject wholesome teaching. Um, for a time is coming when people no longer listen to sound or wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. The trump is coming. The trumpet is coming. In fact, it's got to be right at the door. Jesus in this scene, in this spiritual application. If he's the Sabbath, if he's the Passover, if he's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, if he is Pentecost, he is also the trumpet. He is Judgment Day. He is Judgment Day. And until that time, we've been called to preach the Word. Revelation 20, verse 15. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's it. You know, who's, you know who has control of the book? Jesus. It's his book. It's the Lamb's book of life. One last scripture, Hebrews 9, 27. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. You know, we all tonight, we have an appointed time. God already knows. We're going to meet him in the clouds or we're going to meet him through the graveyard. We have an appointed time. We are destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are what? All who are what? Eagerly waiting for him. I hope that's you. I hope you're all eagerly waiting for him. Next week will be the Day of Atonement. Well, that'll be the topic. It won't be the Day of Atonement. It'll be the, it'll be the topic. <laughs> it might be the Day of Atonement, too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that allows us the ability to see and understand and know who you are. Father, make your church ready. Put oil in our lamps and light in our lamps. Put it in us so that we can never, ever forget what's coming. In Jesus' name, and amen. Thank you all.